Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, Guy, Nick Mason, sourceful of secrets, of which we are um, two-fifths, right? Are, we're going back out on the road in the summer across the UK. We are. We're, it's all of June, so brace yourself. What's it called? It's called the Set the Controls Tour. What a brilliant name. Who do you uh, think could have come up with such a great name for a tour, Gary? I wonder. I think yeah. I'm looking at him, right? But then right. I did come up with uh, Nick Mason's source of secrets. You did. And in fact, that came up in a podcast then because you were inspired by Woody Woodman's U-boat, weren't you? I was, yes. Anyway, anyway, but enough of that. So join Nick, Guy, Lee Harris, uh, Don Beacon and me as we celebrate the early years with you know, that incredible, it's an incredible body of work, isn't it? The early Pink Floyd. It goes up to just before Dark Side of the Moon. It goes up to 1972, all the film soundtracks, all the Sid stuff, stuff you've never mm. heard, stuff that no one's ever Echoes, heard, frankly. Obviously. Echoes is the big sort of, you and, know, uh, uh, what is that? What would you call it? Magnum opus. Yeah, I love a Magnum, don't you? Yeah, I never met Magnum. <laughs> was he, was he, um, anyway, tickets are on sale now and you can buy yours at uh, myticket.co.uk. And Kilimanjaro Live presents Nick Mason's Sourceful of Secrets, the Set the Control Tour. Hello, Gary. Hey, Guy. We're both speaking from new places today. Yeah, I'm in my new studio. Uh, so I'm, I'm sort of in a technical panic because I've got no engineer here um, and hoping that this all survives the recording. It's well, you know, I don't want to get to the you've, end. You've never had an engineer for... for- Rock on toes. No, but someone who can come in and help me here right now because I have equipment and I have equipment fear, you know. Yes. I think maybe maybe an emotional support animal would be better. <laughs> Do you know what? They wouldn't let my peacock in. <laughs> Molts terribly. Uh, well, I'm in my new studio as well, so... This is, this is nice, isn't it? What, what, what have you got? Because I, I can only... All I can see are the box files and uh, one of David's uh, guitar yeah, copies. My, my David um, replica black Strat and my nice new precision bass. You can't, well, it's all whited out. I'm probably going to turn the whole desk around because you're looking out of my sort of French windows at the moment onto the garden. Yeah, very, uh, nice. very nice. But anyway, Terry Reid. Yes, an enigma, I think it's fair to say. An enigma wrapped up in a puzzle... Wrapped up in a mystery. Yeah. Do you know what? He's 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 an amazing character. And for those who, who know Terry Reid, his music is extraordinary. I mean, he's he's known as Super Lungs because he has the most incredible, incredible voice. He's he um they, listen, Aretha Franklin said this in nineteen sixty eight. She said the Beatles, Rolling Stones, and Terry Reid were the best of England. Well, wow. where did you find that? One of my researchers brought it to yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. I would say, and I'm, I'm wondering if it's worth putting this to him, I would say there's a parallel between his career and Jeff Beck. Yeah. Because it's that thing of he, he was very much his own man. And, but what's really nice is that because of his talent and the ways of it is that, is that sort of life has been kind in that stuff keeps getting picked up right up till now. That's he right. keeps having songs being rediscovered and recovered and 
In movies. That's nice. Yeah, yeah mo- a lot of movie. He gets a lot of movie action. But let's not forget, fantastic guitar player, fantastic singer, um, yep. made some fantastic solo albums, very much in the vein of sort of white R&B, Steve Marriott type vocal. Um, Robert Palmer, I'd Rob- say, at some Rob- point in the mid-70s, a lot of crossover yep. there. And, and the two big moments that everyone talks about, obviously, he was Jimmy Page's first choice for Led Zeppelin. Uh, and um, And obviously that didn't work out because... Terry said, "You don't want me. I know just the bloke you need." But we'll we'll get. And you know what? He was right. Yeah, yeah, of course. He was also Richie Blackmore's first choice for Deep Purple, or second choice, I should say, second choice instead of Ian Gillen, uh, because there was already a singer who sang for Deep Purple who I can't name right now. Uh, No, I can't either. But if we ever find a time machine and bring Richie Blackmore back from medieval times, we we. (laughs) We can ask him. Forwards, you mean? <laughs> Forwards, I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. He can, I can't... His, he can bring his crump on. Listen, listen right. mate, I can't run my studio. I couldn't run a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> so so I think Terry Reid is an extraordinary. He's li- he lives in America, but he's he's from Cambridgeshire. And, and I think, um, so his accent has gone a bit wobbly over the years. Um, but he also was the musical act at Bianca and Mick's Mick's wedding. Wedding, that's right. Wow. So he's probably got some good stories. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, don't, don't call him the wedding singer. Do you think he did true at the wedding? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Rock on Tours. Okay, guys, I'm ready. But it's a big tune for sure. I actually wrote that originally for Tina Turner. Of course, I had gone and found Joni Mitchell down in Florida and brought her back. I've listened to a few of them and they've been really good, man. I'm sitting in the back of the car coming into London. They're brilliant. That caused a big problem in the band, actually. I was having too much fun. Thank you guys for still being around, still making music, still being into it, and doing this podcast. It, it's uh, it's fabulous. Well, I get the feeling that us three should go for a bite. That's what I think. I'm in a band now. <laughs> it's called Roxy Music. You know this thing about the 10,000 hours of experience? Oh, yeah. To, to get good at something. When we recorded Arnold Lane, we'd done about 50 hours. The Rock Hunters podcast with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt. Keep on rocking! Hello, Terry. I know that voice. There we go. Looking very Thank vibrant you. there, Terry, in your in your light. Oh yes, yes, yes. So I don't get run over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on Rock on Tours, Terry. Yeah. We've, we've been trying to get you on for quite a while. You know, you've. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Where are you, Terry? Well, we really, I'm out in. Um, let me see. It's called La Quinta, which is just a bit further on than. Further on the Palm Springs. Oh, okay. Right. I tell you what, it's just over there. It just there's a hill between us and Coachella. Oh, right. Right. Have you ever... Right. So you can hear the low end on a good night <laughs> when the winds strike. Have you ever played? <laughs> have you ever played that? Uh, ever... Yeah, I played there. Well, well, yeah. One morning we we did a thing with a, a band that I know there. Yeah, I haven't done it in my own, in my own right, but it's it's another. It's like Glastonbury, you know. I mean, two hundred stages. And uh, yeah, well, I don't know. I, yeah. I've I've done it, and it was I was amazed how completely. Oh, you did yeah, it! I've done, right. I did it with Brian Ferry a few years ago. Oh yeah, great! And, uh, yeah. But it was. But yeah. I was amazed at how different it is to Glastonbury in it because it's so well organised, and you drink here, and you take drugs here, and you do, and every, <laughs> right, and everyone's just sort of, and it's so hot, and it's and there's and no one's really out of it, <laughs> which is kind of the whole point of festivals is is looking for the most out of it person. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that is pretty together. This one, you're right there. Yeah, you know. I mean, they they got they got a lot of different disco stages and things. I suppose it's sort of. Uh, I just get a bit. They get to, to, after Glastonbury. I got a little too much with too many stages, you know. But but they do have a time better, like you're saying. If you were with Brian, you know, obviously you'd, you'd get a better attention span where you where you work. You because know what I'm you, saying? You Terry, you you played one of the earliest Glastonbury's, didn't you? Because there's footage. It was. Uh, I played the first one because there's right. some great great footage out there, which I think Nick Rogue shot that's right and it and yeah. it's, it's of you in the most fantastic hat with this grown-out mod haircut which i love uh yeah and and i think you're you, you do something with linda lewis and you're playing with um david linda well, well. i don't know everybody had took a, a, a various a various amount of chemicals you know so as and uh we were all up there we were well sailing by the time we got going on the song and Linda decided, oh, I'll have some of that, you know. <laughs> it's how you do. And she just, I'm looking out of the corner of my, my right eye, and I go, oh, it's Linda. <laughs> and she's up there on the stage, and she's out, she jumps in, and then we, it just turned into a whole fiasco, you know. <laughs> so uh, what was it like at that first Glastonbury? What was the, what was the vibe like? It was, it's real, real different than, you know what it became, obviously. Yeah. But you know, when Mike Evis first had the idea and to have this whole thing in a field, as you well know, when you get down to Pilbury Downs, it's not one field; it's miles of undulating hills. And there was people sort of spread out for miles that you didn't realise till music started on that pyramid stage. You didn't realise that they came out of trees. They came over the hill. <laughs> there, there really wasn't any fences or anything then. It was like it, it sort of it was like being in a Robin Hood movie or something. I don't know. It was like people were coming out of nowhere, yeah. and even though there was nowhere near what it became, that amount of people when it started, when we were about to go on stage, I thought, oh, I hope we do better than this. It's only like about hundred people out there. <laughs> uh, uh, this is not, not really happening. So as soon as we got on stage, I mean, people came from nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot, there was a lot of fun. And my, my memory of the whole thing was because it was very low-key and everything, I remember the, the two people I was that I was hanging out with backstage was, was Steve Winwood because because of traffic. I'd known Steve since uh, uh, Spencer Davis and David Bowie. I didn't really know David, and uh, we struck up a thing talking backstage, and uh, it went on and on because there wasn't really a lot of people. And it's funny because they were doing an interview with David, and uh, they asked him the same question that you asked: "What do you remember about Glastonbury?" And funnily enough, I couldn't believe it when I read it. He he, he said, "Well, I don't really remember much," <laughs> you know. Well, they were all a bit gone, you know. So he said, all I remember was talking to Terry for about an hour. Oh, so I, don't remember, I don't remember what we were talking about, but we were having a lot of fun. Oh, right? my God. That would have been we're the just, Space Oddity period, would it? Just yeah. around the time of having Space Oddity out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. 
Yeah, he was playing twelve. He was playing twelve string and reciting poetry and things, right? You know, in a dress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were you with Alan White and David Lindley at that? That's right. I mean, yeah. Man, so what, our band was... what a band! Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, oh no, it was a killer. And, you know, yeah. God, God rest his soul, David. Lee. I mean, were you basically the first guy to well, work? Well, Alan with too. Alan, pa- Alan passed. Oh too. right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. He passed last year, and then David passed just just recently, a few months ago. But I think what guy was wondering is, were you the first guy to pick up on David Lindley? I mean, because I know obviously famous with Jackson Jackson Brown, wasn't it? You yeah, Jackson Brown. No, everyone, everyone, everyone. You got everyone. it. All, everyone. All, the whole Laurel Canyon world was. David yeah, David yeah, Lindley yeah. Was on well, it. Yeah. yeah, David. Well, David's not really Laurel. He's from Claremont, which is a different thing. That's more like, I don't know, you're familiar with things over it. That's like the old Hollywood, right? right? Claremont was, and Pasadena, you know, and that whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was where a lot of the movie stars uh, lived, you know, right out of town. Yeah, yeah. That was like Cal- the country. Calabasas and all that, yeah. Yeah, that's north, yeah. and this is south, yeah. southeast, see. So, you know, the thing is, I met David, it was before Jackson uh, put that thing, got that thing going on. And uh, I was living out, I had a house out in Cambridgeshire, where I'm from. And uh, I'm living out, then we had the band, uh, we were putting this band together. And a friend of mine, Chesley Milligan, who's not already, he's funny, Chesley, who worked with Stones, and we all knew each other, right? So he said, I've got just the musician for your band. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, he plays with a group called Kaleidoscope in L.A. Now, if somebody said that to you and you were living in England, you'd think Kaleidoscope in L.A. Wait a second. (laughs) 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 We woo. Now, let me, I I need a picture, first of all. (laughs) Where are we going with this one? So he got a hold of David and and David sent me this letter, uh, uh, right, which was the funniest thing ever. He says, I would love to come over to England and spend time with you, join your band, and create wonderful music. He said, I can really be very helpful. Uh, These are the instruments I will bring. Two pages of instruments. (laughs) I I, I think this guy's got to be choking. What do you mean? He plays all these instruments. This is before we spoke on the phone. He owns right? all these instruments. <laughs> yeah, and he owns them, and he's buying shipping. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> you know, and he was everything from uh, stars and oud and uh, all these Turkish instruments and things, which I thought, well, I hope he's got a good case for them because well, these yeah. these are very <laughs> fragile things. Yeah. Now, the ironic thing was that I I actually knew the instruments he was talking about, which at the time. Not everybody was... That's right, because you were into Bulgarian folk music, weren't you? That's right. God, you got that right. Yeah, there you go. See, so I, over the years, I which was earlier on, that was my big passion was jazz and folk music from Bulgaria and Romania and Russia. And there's, you know, the tonality was, was getting... I wonder, because you know, so. the Bul- Bulgarian, certainly the vocal, the, you know, the choral music has, has amazing yeah. tonality. I can see that in... Your stuff. Yeah, well, it's, you know, the Bulgarian Sofia District yeah. Choir. They were my favourite band, right? <laughs> if you can put it like that. I actually... <laughs> followed them, every, followed them everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, I, no, I did. Oh, okay. I did. I saw them about four or five times, right? I saw them in England uh, I, uh, perform. And it's, it's a 
you know, 50, 60, 70 people. I mean, it's a whole thing. And then I saw him at Royce Hall here at UCLA in, in Los Angeles. And I go and I think, how do I get a backstage pass? Here we go. So you use, it's sort of like you use the Stones reality, you try and, you know, but I don't know any of the roadies, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm batting around there and suddenly this one guy who was there translate said, yeah, you come back with me. He said, but, you know, behave yourself and, and, and all this stuff. And I went, yeah, right, okay. So we go backstage and, of course, all the young girls that are, you know, in their chorus and everything and that, they're all giggling and, uh, you know, this is all a bit different for them, right? You know, and it's, you know, rock and roll guys hanging out backstage. All of a sudden, here comes a big mama son, right? This big lady who gives me this look that would kill you, right? <laughs> and she goes, help. Something in Bulgarian, which means get the yeah. you-know-what out of here, right? <laughs> and and they, got, they removed me. I got thrown thrown out of backstage at a Bulgarian concert. I mean, I <laughs> quite... I never got to talk to anybody. Well, most of them didn't speak English anyway, because they had all these translators. But I must admit, that was one of the best things I've been thrown out I was going to say, it's know? clearly a badge of pride, Terry. I can, I can tell that. It really was. <laughs> it was. I've been thrown out of some worse places, but, you know, <laughs> that one... That one topped it. I yeah, sort of finish, really. finish about David Lindley because oh, yeah. I think, yeah. am I right to say, Guy and, and Terry, he's a lap steel player? Uh, yeah. Or, or yeah. yeah. Lap steel yeah. Yeah. and a, mandolin. He made the lap, he, he took the lap steel to, to a, a whole other thing yeah. from it being a, a, a jazz bebop nine string instrument. And he play a six string, he could play a nine too. But there were there were very few people, and then there's the country thing. But then it immediately goes to pedal steel, which has pedals and levers and so, compl yeah, so yeah. complicated. Pedal steel. It's like driving a truck. So hang it's on, is, really, it, is your is your your reason for getting him in? Are you saying it was more of a jazz bebop sort of connection? No, no. And the reason I got him in was because I was writing all different. When you look back at some of them, these I was writing all different kinds of music. It was from Latin yeah. to the country, vocal influence. These, I didn't want any ropes or ties on anything. I mean, I was writing in all directions, and it was a lot more fun to do that, right? Right. And uh, with the ideas you had, you could tailor them to the, you know, the thing. And I knew, I was looking for a... I was playing with the Lee Miles, the bass player. Me and Lee put no, the that's bass, another one. Right. Is, is this, this, is, uh, is this Ike and Tina Turner's? Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, someone else, oh, you yeah. can you're really good at getting people to come from America, which seems to... Well, yeah, he was over with Ike, and uh, Ike was not too keen on the idea. But <laughs> And uh, he'd been with Ike for a bit, and we played, I think it was the Revolution Club, yeah. And we played there, and uh, I, Tina was really, I mean, she was always really sweet to me. She, uh, she insisted that I be, our band, be the support band for her. I went, really? <laughs> Do you sure you really need a power band? Because there's about 30 of them, you know, it's a whole review, right? And uh, I didn't very well know that there's really no dressing room at the Revolution Club. I don't know where you're going to put everybody. But the, the thing was very special that she asked me to do the show. And I had no idea 
I played with Ike Tina Turner before in, uh, what, 1966, you know, with the Stones. And they interchange their people so often. Who's to say who will be in the band? But they went on stage, and this is the Lee Marcy. And I took one, they started playing. I took one look at Lee and listened to him and went, oh, my God, that's it. That is the quintessential R&B bass player. And he's my age. He was the same age. I think we were both about, what, 19, yeah, 20. Yeah, nippers, right? nippers, yeah. yeah. And it was the total music falling in love, that one. And I, I went, Lee, God, see, we start talking. And uh, I put it to him, would you be interested in coming to England? Which meant leaving Ike, right? And he goes, yeah, I'd love to. So we had the idea was a great idea. Yeah, you wanted yeah. to get away from Ike. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you got it, you got it. Yeah, he took the car back. Politically, it was, uh, you know, uh, Ike was a bit mean about it. He was always really, Ike was really nice to me. He asked me to join Ike Tina Turner at one time. Right? Wow. <laughs> uh, I just didn't fancy the grey on bus. Ike and Tina and Terry. <laughs> I, yeah, Ike and Terry. Uh, yeah, Tina and Terry. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, that's a sitcom, surely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, um, but, but listen, this yeah, is, really. but it's quite interesting. that you, you're, you're picking up a lot of, you know, people that are in, in black soul music. You know, Aretha. Because yeah. Aretha. He was with the Temps as well. Aretha. Wow. With the temps. This, this is in your voice. Yeah. This is to do with your voice. Me and Lee were like peas and carrots. I don't know what it was. It didn't matter what song I started playing or what lick I started playing. Lee was all over it. I still is. I still see him now. And oh, I, I love him dearly. And that's lovely. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. We, well, we became... We became real close brothers, but not just in the in the uh, the ethnic sense of it. Just real, bro. I'm an only child, and he's the closest thing that uh, you know I've ever had to a brother. He really is. And the music, I mean, we just you know we never. The trouble was is we went right, okay, so we're gonna need a drummer, right? Okay, now do we bring a drummer over? He'd been playing with uh, James Gadson and and Soko Richardson and. And all these Louisiana drummers and things, which is a lovely idea. <laughs> but uh, we've already gone through this thing of getting around Ike. How are we going to get around another one, right? So we start auditioning drummers in England. Yeah, Lee said, hey, man, let's audition. Like, okay, so we come up to the country. They come up. And when they heard about Lee Miles, they all want a bit of that. They go, oh, well, we, we'll, we'll do that. So they all tore up uh, to audition. Even though Lee Miles and myself gelled just easily, right? I mean, everything was perfect. It was hard to fit a drummer and go all these different directions. Now we're talking about probably the, all the fine, some of the finest drummers in England, which is nothing to do with them. It was just something was going on between us that was a bit different, you know. And uh, and there's only one guy that really sat down and nailed it, and that was Alan White, right? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it. He sat down. We, we played about I don't know twenty bars, and Lee goes, "This is the man." I thought, and after I think thirty six drummers, right? Wow. Well, Alan was a great he drummer. The, did it? Did it? Yeah, you got to the point where you could give up easy yeah, on yeah, that yeah. one. Did it? Did it, it? It was was it depressing? Was it annoying? I mean, how did you feel when when Alan left and went to Yes? Because uh, obviously Bill Bruford left Yes and went to oh, King Crimson. I know. And well, it. 
Yeah, I know. Well, we're in the studio doing a, an album called River, right? And Eddie Alford is producing the album. He's behind the window, okay? And David Lindley comes to me and says, you know, because we'd been hanging out with Jackson. Jackson had been in England hanging out with us. And uh, Jackson Brown. I know he was. Over to, what, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So he was keen. He knew David, but he never he never played with him. But he was keen on, you know, on the band and he loved the whole thing. He was hanging out. We were all, you know, hanging out together, doing gigs. And I knew he was keen on David, so I was keeping my eye on it. And then he said he got a record coming out with Atlantic, right? And I said, oh, so we were working with Atlantic at the time with Armour Ergen. So I said, oh, here's that. He said, yeah, well, we'll see how it does. You know, it might, it might happen. It, yes, we all do. You know, might. And that doctor my eyes, because, like, the Eagles got a hold of it as well. He went to number one. So that sort of literally put Jackson into a situation of we're going on to a boom. That's it. You know, that's the one thing you, you'd look for, right? No, you don't expect it to happen that quick. So Jackson came to me and said, look, I would really love David to do the tour. And I went, well, me and Lee looked at it. We, we worked so hard putting the band together. I said, but you, when somebody wants to do something, you can't really stop it. I mean, it's silly to do that. You, you're better off to enjoy it, you know? Yeah. So I said, yeah, you, you go. Yeah, that's good. Two days later... Alan turns around to me and said, well, how are we going to do any gigs? He said, I'll tell you what, I've had an offer. I don't know uh, whether I should do it. And Eddie Offer's sitting sitting there. And he said, yes, I've asked me to join. And I went, I looked at Eddie Offer and went, well, how are we going to finish the album? You know, because if he's going, you're going. Uh, Dave is going. It's back to me and Lee Miles standing in a field, right? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> So that's basically what it all happened within about four days. Right? You did finish that album. Yeah. It's a great album, really, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a yeah, fantastic yeah. Well, record. we finished it in America. I Armit Ergen said to me, he said, well, Terry, don't worry about it. Armit was always, you know, a miracle, mate. I, 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 I've never met anybody as musically pretty ill. Yeah. If you got him on, your, if you got him on your side, then you're going to be... You're going to didn't, be fine. Didn't, yeah, yeah. Didn't Tom Dowd finish it? He, he, he was a realist. He'd look at things in a, a real way. None of all this bullshit of just, uh, oh, we got a problem there. And he never looked at things that way. Yeah. He said, look, I'll tell you what. So you and Lee are there. Now, he said, I'm sure Lee's getting fed up with that weather in, weather in England. <laughs> and he said, he said, tell you what, you like LA, don't you? And I said, yeah, I love it. He said, why don't you just, hey, I'll give you some money. I'll give you a bunch of money. I'll find you a place to live. Get on a plane. Get over here. And we'll figure it out. I'll find you another a producer, uh, you know, and uh, but just take a few weeks off. Just come and hang out. Enjoy yourself. I'll give you the money. And, and, and we'll put it together and finish the album. Now, that's a lot more positive way of looking at something. Now, I know other people's careers where they've said, oh, well, you better figure out a way of finishing that one, or we're going to sue you. <laughs> you know what I mean. But did right? he get? He got you, so, Tom. Did he get you? He got you, Tom Dowd, to finish it. Is that what happened, Terry? Yeah, he said. So I got a great idea for a producer. He said, Tom Dowd. Oh, what do you think? I went. You mean Aretha's producer? Wow. I said. He said, Yeah. He said, Aretha thinks it's a great idea. I went. Oh well. 
because I know Aretha from from the, before that. So he said, yeah, she insists. Like she said, it'd be a great thing, and he's not working with her at the moment. He's got a lot of time off. And what do you think? I went, you mean the guy that recorded Midnight Hell with Wilson Pickett? Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> And and so we got on like a hell on fire. Yeah, so we yeah. then Lindsley, when he came off the road, continued doing the album, right? And then we got Soko Richardson and James Gadsden on drums, which it, which is what we yeah, talked exactly. about yeah, in yeah. the first place. So that was the full circle. And I that was basically I moved to the states, and uh, and to me musically that was that was all of us. You know, it's sort of heaven. You know, I mean, I got to meet all. All these people that I got records of for years. Tom, and, Tom Dowd. And, I mean, I think I'm right. Did Tom Dowd sort of invent multi-track recording? Is that, that yes, he did. Him and Les Paul. That's what yeah, you knew Tom, about Les Paul. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, what records? The two of them. The two of them together. Oh, it's that's together. The oh. Yeah, yeah. They. Oh no, them two were like bees and carrots. So, how do you cross those tracks and get that sound? That's fantastic. And he took John Lennon. He said, "How are you using an eight track, right?" And, and John Lennon goes, "What eight track? What's that?" <laughs> and, and they did. They really didn't have one, right? Yeah, you know, this is all Sergeant Pepper, but you know what I mean. I mean, I can imagine the shot. So they flew over. Uh, Tom said to me, he said he, they, him and Les flew over to Edinburgh with the. I think they took two of them over there. Oh, and uh, and uh, and the rest of that, <laughs> all hell broke loose. Yeah, 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 oh dear, yeah, yeah. you know. Go so, on, guy, what you saying? Well, I was going to say no because we we've, we've landed this sort of middle point. I'm wondering if 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 Terry, we should take you back to the oh, swirling yeah. mists of time because yeah. I I, I still no, love this God. fact that you were you were such a nipper when you start you, you know and and you basically got latched onto by all these kids who people who are like what four or five years older than you everybody was older than me it seemed at one point yeah because because but... you you i mean we'll talk about it briefly because when you were the legend is that you were 14 when when you wrote no expression and which yeah. is since i mean it's still the most i think it's one of the greatest songs ever it's got to it's got to be on one of my if whenever i ever do desert island discs that you know the <laughs> bands that have covered that you know it was just like, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young did a version. Ario, Speedwagon, yeah. uh, John Mellencamp, the Hollies. I mean, yeah, that, John Mellencamp did it. I was really surprised with that. He, he talked really well of it. You know, I I still would love to get together with John because he's he's a real class act. I mean, I've always loved his songwriting and that. You know. That would be a good. I'm match. amazed that hasn't happened. I'm surprised he hasn't reached out to you. Yeah. But anyway, uh, were you yeah, were you really yeah, he, 14, oh, well. Terry? Were you 14 when you wrote that? Well, I, it's very it's very unusual. I'll tell you, once upon a time, <laughs> this is how that started. Well, it's how it finished. I'm talking retrospect now. I didn't remember exactly when I wrote the song, you know, but uh, I just had these memories of of me and Graham Nash talking about when we first met. Well, when I first met him, put it that way, because he was in the hall, obviously in the Hollies, the know well on the people way, it was the Hollies Beatles and everybody. But and I was doing support gigs, and Graham kept correcting me that we met when I was fourteen. That was the first time that I did a support gig, and I, I thought it was later than that. Then just recently, just to put this in perspective, is God bless my mother passed away. Okay, in England and. Uh, um, which meant we had to 
take everything out of the house to put it on the market, right? So, oh, I could say you wouldn't believe it, but of course you would. I mean, there is stuff from 1865, not 70, not 1965. <laughs> there was stuff there that had been since I was a kid. Now, and the things you start thinking, I wonder if she kept my stamp. Well, what happened to the train set? You know, you think about all those things, right? And a lot of it's all gone, as you know. And then as we're rustling through stuff, I find a whole in a box. I find all my school books. My writing was a lot better then, you know. <laughs> and all these pictures I'd drawn and painted and stuff, and right, big stuff. And then I suddenly pick this one book up and I open it up and there's three, four songs, lyrics, written in it. And I figured out, well, wait a second here, I'm still at school. Because the way things happened was I was at school, then I'd left, you know, the summer holidays came up, right? And uh, and you had a decision there at 15, just before 15, where I was in November, to leave school, start an apprenticeship or, or join a pottery school. For That's one thing I got a grab for, mate. And everything. So um, what am I going to do? Well, I went on the road with the Stones. <laughs> I, I know, I mean, yeah, I know everybody, every say, how did you get started in the business? I tell them that, and they look at me sideways like I'm, look, get, get out of here. Was this with Peter uh, Jay and the Jaywalkers? Yeah, with yeah. Peter. See, I joined Peter Jay in the summer holidays, right? And, uh, and out of the blue, Keith and Mick sort of decided they wanted us to do the tour. Right. But what what were the tours still package tours then, or was it just the stones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was uh, with Ike and Tina Turner and right, the Yardbirds. Right. Wow! Right. Yeah, it's with, with yeah, Jimmy. Well, it's, with Jimmy John Page. John Baldry called them World War Three. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, so there was all these old cast of characters. I was on the bus with uh, with Ike and Tina Turner. That's how I got to know them so well. You know, and Tina and that. So. Uh, we did all that, but uh, one minute, you know, when you watch all that stuff on TV of the riots and yeah, because you played, you played, sorry, because so you played the Royal Albert Hall with the Stones when there was the big riot. It was the first right? gig, right? That was the first gig. Didn't get very far. I think the Stones did two and a half songs. It was a riot, and everybody got hurt, you know. But looking at it on TV, you're all they're giggling, but when you're on the other side, it's not so funny, <laughs> right? I got stepped on with a high heel and, and everybody run for their lives. I mean, I looked at, I said to Brian Jones, is it like this every night? He goes, well, we hope so. <laughs> I go, oh my God. And lo and behold, it was like that. So I, I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't say it was a lot to do with music. I mean, you'd hear the the song start and then you never heard anything else. Right. Yeah, with yeah. the screaming that. So that was the, Hell of an introduction in, uh, you know, going professional, as they say. You know, I don't know what they mean by that, but, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, God almighty, you just didn't see it coming. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How are the jaywalkers going down? Yeah, well, we went, we went down great. You know, I mean, I was just sing up, playing guitar, and we had horns, and Peter with his drums flashing on and off, and that. You know, they, horns. They, they, a, they, so you had they, a big band, first of all. Well, not big. Right. You know, yeah, about seven, right? Which yeah, is big, big at the band. time. That's a big yeah. band. That's a big. That's a big band then. Uh, really, Peter, yeah. Peter, Peter, Peter J. Was he? Did he? Uh, was he paying you well? What was? You know, you were just a kid yeah, from school. Yeah, he's a wonderful guy, Peter. I mean, I still to this day, we, you know, I go and see him, and, and he go. We, we still didn't have a good old talk about things, you know. And uh, he's always Peter's family was always in, in entertainment. His father was an impresario. His grandmother was an impresario with, uh, and they own all of the like in in Great Yarmouth, the windmill and the aquarium and the hippodrome. Right, which Peter still runs in Great Great wow, Yarmouth, wow. right? So he, <laughs> I, I walked into a very established entertainment. What would you say? Entertainment family dynasty, right? Yeah, dynasty, yeah. exactly. You know, and his father Jack Jay was a real character. I mean, Lord Almighty. So, so someone who's someone who's going to come into your life a bit later was on that gig as well so jimmy jimmy page was in the new york birds right well, that was yeah was that, yeah yeah so, he was that's so was when this, i first met jim so yeah. this is when he's hearing your voice and he's thinking you know yeah he said though somebody was doing an interview with him it's very unusual actually i mean other than all the other the crap that goes with all that whole deal is that he was talking to him and said what were you doing in on the such and such a day in 1966 or something, you know, when he, he asked you, what were you doing on this day? And he said, well, that's funny you should say that. He said, I was thinking about that. He said, that was the first time I heard Terry sing. And they said, Terry, you, brother. <laughs> you know. And he said, oh, Terry Reed. He said, that's the first time I heard him sing. And it stuck with me. Right. I thought that was, that was, an, to wow. me, that whole thing, that was an ultimate compliment, you know, that. On this yeah, day. It, Unbeknownst to us all, that was like 65, 66, is that uh, he, he was already thinking about things, you know, because right. the, the, the Yardbirds with Jeff Beck and, and, uh, and the Jimmy Page in it, I mean, wasn't going to last too long. <laughs> it was like it was like war back there, you know. Great guys, I mean, you know, Chris Webb, Ralph, and, um, you know, Jim Yarbird. <laughs> Jim Yarbird. <laughs> Jim McKay. I always called him Jim Yarbird. He's the funniest guy. God, oh, mate. What a funny guy. All them guys were just yeah. fantastic. Paul Samuel Smith and, uh, you know. I mean, they're great memories of that whole thing. So, yeah, we did that too. That's when we first, first met, you know. Then, then he was in the studio when we were doing an album later on with Mickey Bugs, right? He was doing, as you well know, he was doing all sorts of session stuff. Right. So I bumped into him a lot. He then. worked at Rack, didn't he? Where, yeah. Where Mickey's yeah, studio. that's it. That's where we were at Rack. 
and the Delane Lee studio. And of course, that's where which John Paul that. Jones was, was doing a lot of sessions up at, up at Rack at the same that's time. That's right. Well, yeah. that's how they sort yeah. of knew each other because the Donovan. See, the, uh, John was playing all the things on Donovan's records. So it's funny, you know, you know everybody at that. Well, point. so let's I mean, just jump. To, let's jump to that story, Terry, because he he he, he right. asks you to be the singer of this new band, doesn't he? At some point, and uh, well, yeah, yeah, a whole bunch of different people. I mean, he was fishing, you know, trying to put a band together. And uh, I said to I said to Peter Grant, so what's going on? He said, well, if he calls it the New Yardbirds, he said, I want nothing to do with it anymore. I'm cancelling the contract. <laughs> he said. Because every, every time I go to bed at night and I hear the word Yardbirds, I don't sleep for two days. <laughs> hey, he was funny about it. But he said to me, he, you know, he's got a bunch of different people he's interested in and he, got, he, he wants you to do it. And this whole new Yardbirds I'm not going for. It was another Yardbirds thing, mate. So, and they were look, looking around at what they were going to do. And then I started doing, I was on the, on the road doing some gigs. And I did done a couple of gigs with this group called the Band of Joy, who were like... That was my next question. Next was so brilliant. Yeah, yeah, carry on, yes. Well, they were, they, they were rough and ready. I mean, Bonham was, he was already well out of control, you know. <laughs> I mean, and... Uh, so I'm, I'm watching them and they're watching all the trouble going down. He threw a chair through a frigging window and fuck <laughs> that. Dudley's new. I mean, he's all these things. And I thought, you know what? These guys are real rock and roll. And then we did this one particular gig in Buxton with Tim Rose, right? Which is funny because Robert and me still laugh about it. Robert still likes to do that, that song, uh, Walk Me Out in the Morning, too. Robert right? Plant, yeah. He said, he, that, that comes from then, from that, that one night that he, we worked with uh, Tim Rose, and he always loved that. We all loved that song, see. So I, I, I went, you know what? Tim, if you're going to do this thing, and you only, you know, you want a real power thing, and you, 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 just, you need a singer that sings around the style of your, your guitar playing, the licks, and, uh, uh, not necessarily a pedophon, like, so I just mean, you, you, what you've got going on, you need to do that swap backwards and forwards thing, right? I said, I just saw a guy the other night who is a dead ringer, but he's right on it, you know? And I said, not only that, the dr you got to get the drummer because he's just total, total trouble. I said, He'll, he fits right into that mold of Ginger Baker and all the, what we're used to, you know? I said, he's got the power. He uses like tree trunks and sticks. You know, it's like, I said, you got you to do it, right? So he said, what do they look like? I said, what do you mean, what does he look like? I said, he looks like a Greek god. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, what does he look like? I said, you got to check him out. So you, I, we finally, me and Peter Grinder pushed the issue for him to try him out because it meant trying out two people, see? So it was then like you, you were on the road the with the Stones, weren't you, at the time? You, you could, yeah, well, I was. I was just going on the road with the Stones and everything. I said, "What? Well, when we get back, if you want to give it a try or something or other, we could do something." Oh no, I've got to do it now. So I thought, "Well, I appreciate your inquiry, but uh, I said, try these guys out. You never know, because we all know when you when you're auditioning a band, you've all been through this too. You never know what's going to work, right?" What you think is going to, it's like they always say when you go in the studio do an album, the song, 
that you think is going to be number one and it's going to sound absolutely fantastic. And why are we doing anything else? I mean, you get in there and it sounds like shit. <laughs> that one song is like, God, what happened? Right. And then another song that was just laying around ends up being yeah. the one that you can hang out on. So you never know with bands here. And that's before you get the personality. So, Terry, you, 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 if you were on the road with the Stones at that period, was that the Stones tour? I know you didn't do Altamont, but was that at the beginning of that no. Gimme Shelter movie, they're at Madison Square Gardens and it's uh, and yeah. they're backstage. So you were you backstage? Jimi Hendrix came to that, didn't he? Did you? Well, he yeah. was on that. Yeah, yeah. So how, yeah. Just, just, I think we just need some idea of what it was like to be on the road with the Rolling Stones yeah. and Jimmy. Oh, my God. What do you mean one idea? Of course, true. Uh, well, the, the, it's amazing you suddenly realise what have you got yourself into. <laughs> and that the first time I toured with, and it with it when it was a screamer tour, it was a bit different because you got in and out with your life kind of thing, and it and it it was more a survival situation. Now in '69 when we did that tour, is yeah, me and Keith and Reggie, we talk about oh we did this before. Good to see you. Oh, great, nice to see you doing, hey, how about this? Here we are again. Remember when we did this? And, you know, we're doing all that. And uh, But we're going along in 69, and it, it's not that kind of tour. But there's all this militant sort of thing underground going on, the Vietnam War, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you've got guys coming back from the war who are, you know, displaced, you know, which is a sad thing, you know. And and people, you know, they you never really treated right. I mean, they they were conscripted to go. I mean, it wasn't like you had a choice, right? Yeah. So it was it was a bit rough with this undercurrent going on. And uh, so Keith came to me and said, "Do you want to do Altamont? This we were at Boston. We were doing Boston Garden, mm -hmm. right? And that's the big, big, uh, you know, big arena." And he came at me and said, do you want to do it? He said, we'll pay for it. So it's a non-paying gig, but <laughs> I, I said, well, look, you're paying me, and that's not the point. I said, well, I've heard, I've heard a few people have called me and said, it's hitting a the fan there already. Uh, there was the day before there was guns going off and stuff happening, oh, wow. right? So I, I got the wind, I got the wind, and Keith said, yeah, I know, I know, I've heard it too. He said, I don't particularly want to go myself. He said, I, said, well, I, I think you're better or there will be hell on, right? He said, the only thing that worried that worried him, he said, that worries me, he said, he said, this whole thing of the angels doing security. <laughs> and I looked at him and went, what? <laughs> now, now, this started off, I have to tell you, whether you know this or not, do you know how that originated with the Angels doing security? Uh, no, I can't remember. Right. Well, Bill Graham, okay, so you've got the Fillmore, Fillmore West yeah. there, Winterland, right? We were all getting gear stole at the airport. We'd all fly in with all the gear on freight, and we go to get, we'd go to the gig, and we'd look down at the stage behind us for the arms, and there's the twin reverb missing. Right, you know. And I go, hey, bloody hell is that? I haven't seen it. Right. Or there's a super showman missing. Now, <laughs> it's a little hard to run out the building with a super showman on your shoulder. So I'm going, what the hell's going on? We said, everybody's really complaining about this. These drums missing on other bands and all this. And it's happening at, at the prey at the airport when it comes in. 
cowboy. Bill Graham's having a fit because he has to rent all this gear, right? And uh, then you haven't got it for the next gig. So he said, I don't know what to do about this. He says, and then he came in one day and he said, I've got it. I'm going to get the Angels, right, the Oakland division, right, <laughs> uh, who run all the drugs and run everything in Northern California. Right? Anyway, I'm going to get them. They've got a building up in Northern California, in Mill Valley, right, where they keep their bikes and everything and they repair everything. Now, the thing is, he said, they've got these dogs. He's telling me this story. They've got these dogs there that you wouldn't even want to go near. He said, they're like something out of a movie, right? They you know all these pit bulls and rip. He said, that's what we'll do. We'll get them to pick up the gear at the airport and take it up there and put it in their building till the next day for the gig. After that, never lost a thing. Never lost your guitar chord after that, right? Yeah. So that's how it all started. And then and someone gets got, murdered, yeah. He yeah. got them to look after things and we never lost anymore. Right. So uh, they eventually did find out, you know, what was going on with freight and things. But by that time, you know, they'd earned a fortune selling the gear. But that went on and on and on. So by the time we all went bye-bye and, and uh, then when we finally came were coming back for the Altamont, they did, couldn't get Candlestick Park. They wouldn't give them a license for it. So a lot of the places they wanted to do the gig, open-air concert, uh, it had got to the point where people were not keen on open-air concerts. It was looking like trouble anyway. Right? So they got that Altamont Raceway out in Oakland, which is, which is a drag strip, really. That's what they used it for, yeah. for drags to drop fuel cars. And... They, that's the only place they would rent. So they rented that and they let the angels... Uh, <laughs> the the rumor was, which I know it's true, because you watch the movie, that Bill paid the angels in drugs and oh, booze. Oh, it's terrifying. The film is absolutely it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Every time I watch it, I look at Mick Jagger's face. Yeah. And it's the, that's the most terrified I've seen Mick. Mm. All the time but isn't there, guys, yeah, isn't there I'm something in it that Keith, that Mick says something to the crowd? Well, it? there's, there is that thing that, because I think Keith's clearly just, just smacked out and doesn't really know what's going on. And so he's playing something and they stop. And there's this great moment where Mick goes, Mick's trying to stop, you know, get the get them to listen to him. But Keith's just, and yeah. Keith's still playing. Okay, look, brothers, sisters, why are we, Keith, Keith. Give, yeah. Anyway, look, brother, but Keith. Keith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, oh, it's like, Keith, don't give a damn, <laughs> you know. I mean, if, if we should talk about show goes on, never would. Terry, I, I just want because you've had some, you started off with Mickey Most producing you um, down yeah. at Rack. You mentioned that, and we all know what Mickey Most must have been like. It was quite an extraordinary character, but. I mean, we's kind what of... That, what does that mean, extraordinary? Well, I mean, obviously, you had some serious run. I mean, listen, you had a, I had a falling out, didn't you? Yeah, you had a falling out, didn't you? It wasn't just me I had, had a bunch of rockings with him. I just told him to shove it. And, it, yeah, at the time, everyone said maybe it wasn't the right thing to do because he affected your career and uh, yeah. Which is, yeah, you got lawyers in and everything, but sometimes you got to stick to your guns and what you do it. You know, I mean, musically... He wasn't going, you know, the, 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 where I was going. He wanted to, I don't know, I'd ended up like Engelbert. Well, not that I have anything against Tom Jones or Engelbert Humperdinck, but he, he was seriously wanting to go that way. 
right? When we were kids in, in this, in young kids in the seventies, yeah. When we discovered Mickey Most was a name you just associated with pop, with big pop. We didn't really know he had this actually gotcha. much cooler. Yeah starting but, point you know but, yeah very cause, true because yeah. also yeah. he did yeah donovan right donovan donovan yeah and it, yeah. in fact oh, you, yeah don yeah you, your your nickname comes from a donovan song doesn't it super lungs uh yeah my super well, girl you know, okay it's a good one for you loved it right so mickey's looking for a song for me blaze up the chart and he talks that way he goes we've got to get something that's a sure-fired hit nor so I'm in the office. I said, well, i got to go now, right? Anyway, so I go up. Now, me and Graham Nash were going down to the countryside where Don uh, lived. Uh, in, I think it was Epping Forest. It was out in the woods in the middle of nowhere, right? And Don had this this uh, cottage called Bird's Nest Cottage. I thought, oh, that's cute. That sounds like something new. When we turned up, it looked like a rigging bird nest. <laughs> 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 I go, that's unbelievable. How did whoever thought of that? It was it was totally you could see mushrooms growing in the garden and everything, right? So me and Graham would go down there. Graham said to me, so can you believe it? And we asked Don, did you build it? <laughs> so up in street. Yeah, yeah. No, I found it. So we go down there and we'd uh, play songs and sit on cushions and smoke big joints, you know, enormous big joints, right? And Don always had a brick of something, you know. So we had a load of fun, and uh, one day, um, uh, one day Don said, "He said, you know what, Terry? I got this song that I've written called Super Lungs, My Super Girl." He said, "Mickey won't let me do it," and so me and Grace said, "We'll play it." What do you mean? He said, "Was well, about a fifty, fourteen-year-old schoolgirl who rolls joints in the class and doesn't want to listen to anybody, and she's looking out the window." And our whole life is a dream, and that. I said, and so I did. I said, "Oh, you mean like oh?" <laughs> you could do yeah. that now, could you? He said, "Yeah, sort of, right." So he, he goes, "Yeah, but Mickey won't let me do it, and it's so current. That's what's going on." So Don's having a fit, and I said, "Oh well, I'm sorry about that, you know." So we go on. A few days later, I go. I said, "Well, why weren't at the time he's a." said, well, Mickey won't let me do it. He said, it'll ruin my reputation. I said, what? I said, you're all the best joints in England. What are you talking to us? How can it ruin your reputation? So you see how Mickey would sort of try and channel things for what they were not. I, I, I just I, I just want to go down. I went down a little rabbit hole guy. Not, well, it's not very deep, put it this way. But there was, a, but, I think Mickey got you, there was a, a keyboard player you played with at that point. It was called Pete Shelley, right? Yeah, and right. not the Buzzcocks, Pete Shelley, but but Pete Shelley was the voice of Alvin Stardust on My Kukachu. Uh, oh and, really? And, and, but he didn't want to front it, so he found F Sean... Wayne Fenton, Shane Fenton, Shane Fenton, yeah. yeah, Shane Fenton. <laughs> and when yeah. Shane oh, appeared on top of the pops <laughs> doing My Kukachu, yeah. that was to right. Pete Shelley's voice. Well, I never. You got me on that one. He never let. Uh, he never said that. that, that. <laughs> <laughs> right, because that was all sort of rack for people. I think was it? Well, we were. I was trying to get uh, a, um, a Nugent right at, 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 from uh, from the zombies, right? 
Arjun, 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 Fred Arjun, I'm sorry, Teddy, kill me for that. Rod Arjun. Dead news, no, no, please, no, no, I was singing the Rod Yeah, yeah, no, Rod Arjun, Rod Arjun. Rod Arjun, Rod Arjun was, the zombies had broke up, and and he was trying to decide whether he was going to do an album or what he was going to do, and he's a loveliest guy, God, he's just the sweetest guy. And I said, well, look, I'm putting this band together, would you be interested? So he got interested. And then he decided he was going to get a solo, do a solo career and uh, he's going to make albums and things, which God bless him, yeah. And he said, but you know, there's this guy, Pete, Pete Shelley, you should definitely check him out. He's, I think he's one of the best organists in England, you know, because we'd had different organists in the band. And uh, God, we, I think, what was it? We rehearsed, uh, not the Albert Hall, somewhere. We had a run through and that was it. I said, that's it. If you want to do it, like, I'm in, right? And he joined the band immediately before we did a tour in the States, right? You know? He was brilliant. Do you know your, your, friend, right? your friend, Marion Faithful guy? Yes. She, 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 uh, she, covered, she covered Rich Kid what? Blues. Yeah. 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 What do you mean, Marion Faithful guy? Uh, no, she's, she's a dear friend. I go and see her. She's up in, um, I go and see her. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, give her, give her oh, my I love. Absolutely oh, will. God, I absolutely will. I absolutely, yeah, yeah no, she's fabulous. I love her. She is the funniest cat pet. She's one of the funniest girls that I've met. My, my, one time I was over in England and we, she was in Paris and we got on the phone for about an hour. Oh my God. And I, I would. <laughs> I, I, I can believe that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my side was killing me when I got off the phone. She just She's lovely. Very, very troll. Yeah, she did rich kid. Yeah, she did. Uh, yeah, very, very. She's uh, she did rich kid blues, which really surprised me. And that was that great album with Steve Winwood. That's and, right. Yeah, uh, was it Broken English? Yeah, right. Yeah. That was a killer album. That was a brilliant yeah. album. Very, very important record. But yeah, you had. But you, yeah, we need to. I feel we're not getting enough of you, Terry, of your career. There's, there's so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's well, so, so many around. anecdotes of all the people you were hanging out with. Yeah. You're right, Guy. I mean, I think... Cause... When, you, if we, when you look at it like that, you know, it's, it's very, very, you're very lucky. You you can't plan these things. No, no, no. Everybody says, well, well we plan this, we plan... You, you can't plan these things. It was like, I get... Once you start in one thing... Now, it all started that when I was 15. And then from then on... Living in London and getting to know people and you get on with different people. Like Steve Marriott was like a mate of mine who I, I, I adored Steve. He was a funny. <laughs> well, he, he said that, I said to him, you know what, you remind me of somebody and I'm not sure what it is. And he, and he said, uh, he said, well, when I, I said, how did you start in the business? He said, well, I was in Oliver. I went, that's it. I said, don't tell me what part you play. That's it, because yeah. you're still playing it. But, right? but Steve's yeah, a, Steve, done. Guy, I mean, Steve is a good example. You come from a particular world of white vocalists, blokes, who, yeah, yeah. you yes. know, working class blokes right. who can sing. Yeah, I like that. In yeah. the way you yeah. do. I mean, you and Steve, obviously, I, I can see the, the similarity. And, oh, God. He's, he's, you know, I mean, I love that. And Frankie Miller. Oh, yes. And. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Frankie is like, oh, I love Frankie. And, I mean, actually, Frank is responsible for, you know, from a lot of uh, styles in England of different paper. Every time I hear Paul Rogers or, or every time yeah. I hear Rod Stewart, actually, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's certain licks yeah, yeah. that are not American licks. There's this thing that yeah. you know yourself. 
There are certain leaks that, nah, nah, no, nah, that American bloke wouldn't be doing that. You won't do it. No, it's similar. We learn it from that guy, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. And, uh, but, Frankie Miller would do pull those leaks. I love you Frankie Miller. Brilliant. Frankie Miller's full house. Yeah. I would say in the mid seventies, um, Terry, there was one person who, who you were kind of on, on a slight on a similar tack to for a while. I would say I don't know if you know you knew each other. It was Robert Palmer? That sneaking yeah. Sally. Oh Perry. yeah, I knew yeah. Robert. Yeah. God, yeah. Right. Look, oh no. You see, there you go. I mean, Robert was a real class act too. See, I know I know him through Chris Black, yeah, yeah. that I mentioned earlier. When it was at Ireland, and uh, and Chris was, <laughs> Chris, I, I knew Robert, and Robert on me again. I said, "What?" He said, "Watch me and make a rock and roll record." I know, Terry. It's like you. I want to play Latin music. Yeah. I want to play, you know, country and all this. I said, "Well, tell him." He says, "I did." And he almost fired me. <laughs> I said, "What would you mean?" He said, "What he wants me to play rock and roll again, like Vinegar Joe." Right? Yeah, yeah. You see, I've known him since then. And uh, I said, well, go on, give him one or something, you know, for a bit. Oh, no. And then he put that element where he was doing all Brazilian stuff. And uh, that was way back. That, that didn't go. And then later on, when it, well, I'd sort of forgotten about it. I hadn't seen him in a long while. He came so that addicted that, yeah, to yeah, love. Yeah. And I went, oh, shit, that's it. <laughs> I bet I bet Chris is over the moon. <laughs> Fantastic! You know? And you're you're going to be playing, aren't you, at, at Ronnie Scott's soon? Yeah, we're playing at Ronnie Scott's on the what's it again? Yeah, yeah, it's on the twentieth is the the, the day of yeah. June. I know we're playing the day before we're playing that Blues Kitchen up in Manchester. No, which oh oh no, hang on, let me talk to my manager. Yeah. Just doing Ronnie Scott's in the fall. Oh, in the fall, I'm doing the blue shirt. Oh, That's right. We changed it around. Guy, we should go yeah. along. We should go along. We should yeah, absolutely we go along. Do you know what? I just want to tell you, um, for some reason, I had I had to text David Gilmore about something earlier, and I said I was about to speak to you. And I've just oh, I've yeah. just had a text from him saying, I saw David Lindley playing with Terry at the Revolution Club in the late 60s. They were both yeah, great. Both great. Right. Yeah. Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, David. Yeah, David. Well, I go, well, we go way back. Is that... We were the, you know, the founders of the Roundhouse. That's right. right? Cool. Yeah. I mean, I did, I did that so many times, and it was, it was the Freud and that there was the whole thing to renovate, stop that bloody roof leaking. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were all in on that with Jeff Dexter uh, and all these people. Yeah. Wow. And I got them, I got them to book the doors and the Jefferson airplane to come over, and uh, it was a lot of fun that. I think with you're then, probably responsible they... for more transatlantic flights, Terry, than... Just before we go, I do just want yeah. to mention that, that you did an album with Trevor Horn, didn't you, in in, yeah. in the 90s, which uh, your voice on that album, by the it's way, amazing. sounds so good. Uh, the track, The Driver, I mean, your voice in that is... Oh, yeah, that was great. You know, it's with Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Oh, was it? Did yeah, Hans yeah. produce that one? Well, right work it's funny because uh, no, Trevor and Hans were in that group, The Art of Noise, originally. No, Hans, Hans wasn't in The Art of right. Noise, I don't think. Oh, we no, were no, no, Oh, no. I thought you should. No, no. Well, they were in something Trevor together earlier on. In it. That was Trevor was involved in it. Oh, oh, yeah, something yeah. like that, right. You know. Anyway, so my point was not, oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, were together. Yeah. It's a point. <laughs> they weren't. Yeah. The point was is that Trevor told me, 
He, he turns up and he says, I've got this backing track demo that uh, he says I've been working on for this movie, this Tom Cruise movie, right? Uh, and uh, Hans has written this uh, demo, sure enough demo, and it needs a song and a vocal on it. I said, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. Uh, well, let me have a listen to it and see what he is. He puts this, he puts this thing on. I, 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 I almost swallowed my tongue. I, I'm sitting there listening and this is a demo? <laughs> oh, right, yeah, Trevor, yeah. Holy shit. Took him 12 weeks. <laughs> I go, oh, that's the most beautiful thing I've seen. And all the rhythm changes. I said, now, wow, we got to write a song to this, eh? I said, okay. Sounds like an all-night job here or about a week. He said, no, it's an all-night job. I said, why? He said, we've got to be in studio at 11 tomorrow. I said, what? I said, Okay, so we did. We stayed up, and I, I wrote the song in 24 hours, right? And uh, and then I had to go in and figure out how I'm going to sing all these parts without rushing them. You know how that is when you, you're singing a part and you're going from one transition rhythm to another. You don't want to jump in too quick, you know, with the words and things. You've got to pace the words. Uh, without following the track, you know. It was mentally, I was having a, literally having a breakdown. <laughs> it's a great and, song. Uh, we got in and we cut it 11 o'clock the next morning. And it was based on, it was literally more or less one take. But it there was a, one, a couple of words that Trevor wasn't happy with. Then, so we used that as a second take. <laughs> Trevor, Trevor is, I like to be a perfectionist, but Trevor is, well, Boy, oh my! I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all worked, yeah, we've all worked with Trevor. We yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's brilliant. Have you got any new music coming up, Terry? Well, yeah, you know, I've been, I mean, I just built a studio actually or in the other room here, and I've been working on all different parts. I've got so many tunes that I haven't recorded in a while. So, and especially over COVID, that all confused things, couldn't go work and things. So I, I was writing all through that period. So. I just, and then nobody wanted to go in the studio because it's like, you can't, can't sing with a mask on, you know, it's one of them deals. So it's all started to level, you know, now we you know, leveled out a bit. So there's a couple of studios I'm working at out here in the desert, which are really nice. And I built one for demoing uh, things at home. So I'm dying to do a new album. It's just, there's all these different kinds of songs, country songs to, R&B, so I have a whole section R&B things. Also, a lot of Western material, you know, like... That's a, that's a quiet time. passion of yours, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I know I do. When I do Ronnie Scott's, there's a couple... I love doing, I love doing things like Three Tens of Yuma, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> and... Dong, 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 dong. And is there, yeah, it's funny, because we all love the good English guys, that's that. We die yeah, for a good I West, actually think it? your voice sometimes reminds me of Richard Hawley. Do you know him? He's no, young, I don't young, know Yeah, young, much, he's, he's a, yeah. in his 50s now, I guess. He's an English uh, uh, artist, beautiful songwriter. You'd, I think you'd, you'd really wow. like him. You check him out. You should check him out. Oh, look it, I'll yeah. check him out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Terry. Oh, right. I feel there's... Well, there's, there's yeah. 
I know. It's, well, it's We've kept you much longer than we were allowed to as well. So, Oh, good. Get it on. I'll be on the shop floor. While you're on, while you're on, I just want to say that Cedar Memory is one of the greatest albums. I mean, what a yeah, beautiful absolutely. record that is. I mean, some of the tracks on there. Uh, thanks, yeah. You know, to be treated right. Yeah, I, to be treated right. That was, yeah, yeah, what yeah. I mean, you were doing that album was amazing because it was... Uh, you do different albums, or you work with different people on albums, and you get to put up with things. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, they'll sort it out later, and all this and the different idiosyncrasies. But working on Cedar Memory was the most fun I ever had working on an oh. album. I never knew it could be that simple. I mean, and Graham Nash had my back on the whole thing, you yeah, know. Yeah, he produced the it. thing. He said, Graham was funny, he said that. Look, you go in there and sing. I'll be in here behind the window. I've got you covered. I'm going to watch everything with Al Smith, right? <laughs> got pretty covered. And I'll watch everything. You stay in there. I'm here, right? And uh, away we go. I just get singing. So I sing through the first take of one song. I forget what it was. And Graham comes in and he goes, fantastic. It's a tape. You know what? Hear a harmony on that. <laughs> of course he did. I turned around and looked at him and went, You a harmony? Goes, yeah. <laughs> it was just magic, you know. He's a, he's a gem. Uh, I must admit, he is a, he, he's where he became a mentor to me, you know. I mean, uh, just as a, as a person. And that was too, just from going up to him at a gig, wasn't it? You went up and asked him about his amp or something, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. When, when yeah, you were 14. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was backstage looking before they Sorry. packed the gear up, and they were so good, the Hollies. And I'm looking behind the amps, like, you know, they got to have some gear back there. These can't be regular fenders and everything. What's in that? And all of a sudden, he goes, Oi, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? And, and I went, Oh, nothing. It's Graham. And I said, But you can't sound good. You were just straight fenders. He goes, Let's bring your fender out somewhere. He was serious, right? So he goes, oh, the guys will love that. So he goes, tells Tony Hickson, tells the other guys, you know, guess what, Terry? He thinks we've got a load of gear in there. Uh, uh, I thought that would come on, but they did. And, and I can't believe, with, within weeks, they were covering one of your songs. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Was, I knew, you know, I never knew the Hollies did it for years and years later. You know, oh it's funny. God, amazing. Yeah. Ter Listen, I think we should go to yeah. Ronnie Scott. We so should absolutely go to Ronnie Scott. So would come on down. To come on down. Every lovely conversation. And everyone else yeah. who's who's not got a ticket, who hasn't seen Terry yet, should go. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and check out all the records as well because they're absolutely amazing. Ah, uh, you're very kind, man. Really, I really appreciate it. Well, it's been a joy, Terry. Absolute yeah. joy, mate. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, great, man. It's my pleasure. You know. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah we'll see. So right. we'll see you in June. Yes, come come on down. It would be lovely to see you. Wow. Witness to so much. Witness to so much. But I, I, the funny thing is, I think, not the funny thing, but just the thing, in terms of actually getting a proper sense of his career and everything he's done, I think that's probably the least information we've ever got on the Rock on Toast. <laughs> well, <laughs> About, I mean, but talk. what we got was a load of just fantastic... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, you, could, you, you were transported back to those times. Exactly. And, you know, he's a very humble person because, you know, he's not had the success that a lot of those acts he was talking about have had. And yet, if you listen to his songwriting, listen to his voice, and the people who know, they know. You know, he's yeah. he's got all the chops, hasn't he? 
It's got all the chops. But that that's also why I I think there's a there's a parallel between him and Jeff Beck. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. So that's uh, another one off the bucket list of people that we want on. Uh, <laughs> he did mention, and we should have we got a gift to say, get Graham Nash for us. I I did think of that. I just wondered if if I could put that. Yeah, because that you know what this is the other lovely thing is how he's still mates with everyone. Yeah. You know, that's even, you so know, nice. It can be done. Peter J is still alive. And, yeah, you know, yeah. He, this is well, pre the Beatles. Fantastic. It was oh, great Yarmouth windmill or something. The Hippodrome. The Hippodrome. <laughs> yes, of course. Anyway, listen, um, thank you for listening. And uh, obviously, check us out on all the social media stuff. And uh, please leave comments. We really love them. We always read them, don't we? We, read we do. Them. We do. We take them to Fastidiously. Get them printed. I get them scribed out. You do, uh, yeah, and and um, yeah. I, I've you can stop sending me those tablets though, because they weigh a ton and they're they're filling up the garden. But yeah, but sorry. <laughs> you mean the sort of Moses type tablets? Yeah, exactly. It's what I meant. Yeah. Um, so listen, thank you to Ben Jones at uh, Gimme Sugar uh, for producing us. Anything else, guy? Uh, I that's all I can think of, except for keep it right here. We'll be back with someone I don't know about equally as fabulous, because that was fabulous, uh, but certainly fabulous. Uh, yes, next week's good night from me and good night from them. Rock on Tours is produced by Gimme Sugar Productions for Warner Music Group UK. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rustolium.